Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi guys and welcome back to the Sister Sister podcast and my word do we have a great episode for you today. I'm not gonna lie I'm very biased. I am speaking to writer and activist Remy Sade, who many of you may know as my best friend so let's just get this one cracking because I know it's going to be brilliant. Girl, this is the most unprepared podcast episode I'm doing. It's always us. It's always us. I'm taking liberties because you're my best friend. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) as if I'm going to do research. (laughs) You're out of your mind. You didn't research me? Oh my gosh. I wanted the same treatment as everybody else. Well, this is going to be an interesting episode though, because it's about family. And Sister Sister, the book, buy it guys, if you haven't already. Sister Sister, all major retailers. (laughs) (laughs) this is in the book um so many people have a lot to say about the shortest chapter or the shortest lesson in the book uh the 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 lesson on family is five words one line um blood isn't always thicker than water so I really wanted to start there and ask you what family means to you family is what you make it and family is where you're loved that's that's my entire that's my entire um thought process on family. Yeah, it's what you make it and it's where you're loved. And where it's reciprocal as well, that's the other thing, where it's like reciprocal and, and comfortable and healthy. Right. Okay, so we're already kicking this off fire because do you know what's so mad? I feel like um I feel like the place where we're from, and this isn't just about race, it's also about class, but let's just talk about being black for a second. I feel like the idea of family has no understanding or care for reciprocity. It's very much like we are family through abuse, we are family through control, we are family through bullshit, basically. Like we are blood, and that should really top anything that is happening like have you ever found that obviously um I don't want to dig too deep because I was about to say girls don't act like you don't know (laughs) you know what I'm saying girl I'm just like I'm and for people listening the reason why that chapter is so short as well is because I like my money where I can see it so I'm not trying to do a Mariah Carey there are some things I know we really can't get into on a public podcast but let's give the people a little something something have you ever felt like 
you've been in a situation with a family member or with family where it's just like, oh, you really want me to put family before the fact that I'm in pain or I'm being li- or I'm not being listened to. Yeah, and I have done as well. A lot more so when I was younger, prior to parenthood. Um, when I became a parent, not even that, I would say when I became pregnant, I became a little bit radical in my approach to um, healthy relationships. And across the board, I came from an environment that had a lot of positives, but also a lot of negatives. And those negatives made me fear my child growing up in those in the same environment as I did. Um, and I think you made a really good point when you referenced class as well, because sometimes the idea of family comes from the idea of being from the same environment and socioeconomic environment. Or when I was growing up, postcode. Um, And so I have always kind of understood certain things. Also, like I'm part Caribbean, part West African. One is very patriarchal, one is very matriarchal, but both of those are built on the idea of family. You know, like as, as a Nigerian woman, I understand and I've been taught the importance of like bearing and continuing a bloodline and a name, carrying on a name. But as a Caribbean woman, I understand the importance of, or I've been taught the importance of relying on other women in your family and ensuring that you dare not rely on a man because you should expect that it's just going to be bare fire and brimstone. So, you know, in terms of the quote unquote negative lessons that I learned by the time I was pregnant, I was very, very fearful of my daughter having to learn those same lessons. I feel like I've not even answered the question. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it, it came from it came from the understanding of the environment and the understanding of the fact that this expectation of putting family over everything is one that I didn't want her to have. And it's one that I, it was a rebellion for me to forge my own path. And from the time she was about one, I've always said like my family is who is in my household and who is in my heart. If you don't reside in either of those places, I don't know what to tell you, but, um, you know, it makes things a lot easier. The Christmas list is shorter, but also (laughs) I like everyone on it. You know, I don't, I don't conduct relationships in my life anymore out of obligation. And there was a part of some of the relationships that I had with my relatives that came from that place. I do not conduct relationships with people anymore out of obligation. I know there's like I always tell Dominic I wish we had some like church fan symbols to like insert in things. The vibes of them Claxon. Do you know what the other day you posted a picture on your Instagram? I have no clue what it is. You post like so many different things. Anyway, it was one of your show show outfits. So the last six squares, and um, no, actually that's a lie. It was you doing something in the press anyway either way it was something that deserves some like congratulations and I just thought to myself I'm so tired like this girl is always doing something great I just wish that they had a vibes fm button because I also don't want to come and act correct like your um your followers a lot of them are so complimentary but also really polite and demure and like you know respectful of space and boundaries and I just want to like you know like you go to like a family relative's house and you've done something good and they just give you one big slap on the back. Well done, Aya. That's it. That's the whole thing. And like, I feel like the vibes are from Claxon for me. When I see you do things, 
I just wish I could just drop that, like drop the sound and then keep it pushing until the next time. So yeah, I agree. You guys should definitely get some sound. We need that sound. Do you know what? I'm going to get very quick. I, we've been friends for so long. I just feel like the kind yeah, of, of quote unquote foreplay I'd need with my other guests. I don't necessarily need with you. But you were one of the first, if not the first, and maybe still the only when I really think about it, black British women to really be public and vocal about your journey to single motherhood and raising a child by yourself. Oh my gosh, and I feel like I'm going to cry. Where are you going with this? Do you know nobody's... Oh, you're starting already. You said you didn't do research and now, honey. <laughs> All right, go on, go on, go What's on. What's so mad is you You very rarely see me in this professional setting, so now I'm giving you CNN. It's a I just don't understand. <laughs> Meanwhile, do you know how many... Like, do you know what's so funny? People don't know that I... I take your job as a whole seriously, but each individual job, I'm like, yeah, man, you can do it. Of course it can run. Go on, go on, go on. But I don't actually... Most of the time, know what you do, and whenever we work together, I bring this out of you. So it's just a kiki. But now she said, she said. So referring back to your formative years, go on, go on. Basically, and to see you live so boldly and so publicly, especially because, um, and these are just facts. When uh, you are a black single mother, there is such a layer of shame bestowed upon you. I just want to like get into your mind and understand. What just pushed you over the threshold and made you want to uh, show off your family unit? And not just show it off, but also demand that it is as respected, if not more so, than many of these nuclear family units, which, and I hate, I'm trying not to be salty or bitchy, which behind the scenes, most of them are popping down. And many of those parties would be better off being single. But again, through the shame, especially in, in the black community, they ain't finna do it. Like, where did you get those, is the word cojones? Where did you get that from? Oh my gosh. So if at any point I'm rambling, please stop me. You know the story. It's a long story. So <laughs> stop me and skip me if you need to. Um, I never wanted to become a single mum. I never wanted to become a single mum so much so that before I fell pregnant with my daughter, who was unplanned, I was very clear to the person I was in a relationship with that I would happily not have a child and or terminate. I have had a termination before, but also... <sighs> I didn't want to get pregnant at all because I didn't want to have another termination. So part of me was like, if I get pregnant again, I will continue this pregnancy. Another part of me was like, if my child is going to be raised in anything at all that is toxic, I would rather not have a child. That is the best parenting decision I could make. Mm -hmm. And so when I fell pregnant, I was in a relationship and for the most part, I was very young. And so I didn't really have a good understanding of what toxicity was. And so I decided to remain in that relationship. And for the life of me, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm just going to spill all the tea. I've never spoken about this before, but like, I was supposed to get married. And two weeks before my quote unquote wedding, I like it, it didn't happen. And that was really, really devastating because it was in that moment that I was like, oh shit, I think I'm going to become a single mum. If you talk to a lot of single parent families, they know that they're headed that way long before they arrive there. And it's almost like driving a car with no brakes and knowing that at some point you could veer off, but you could also try and just stay on the road. Like, so that's, I would describe the heading towards that space as like when you're fearful of it, particularly. Um, it's like driving a car with no brakes and but you're on cliffs and there's a winding road and if you steer really carefully and you don't make one move wrong you will be fine 
But there are so many factors that can throw you off course at any point. When I became a single parent, I was devastated. Um, it was the best thing that ever happened to me and my daughter. I will say that it was the absolute best thing. But at the time, I didn't realise that. And it was this long standing fear that I'd had from pregnancy. And so it took maybe she was born and then maybe another year before I became a single parent. And I, I hid it for about six months. I didn't tell anyone. And when I said I didn't tell anyone, I mean, I stopped talking to all of my friends, um, any relatives or people we had in common. I cut communication with and I went into deep isolation and depression. Um, and then Valentine's Day was coming and Valentine's Day so close to my birthday that I just thought everything's ruined. But then also I was a writer and I didn't have any inspiration, but I wrote a lot about the people who inspired me and the people that I cared about and loved. And I'd never, ever written to myself. So that first Valentine's Day that I spent single, I decided to write an open love letter to myself where I spoke about the fact that I was single publicly for the first time. It had been about six months. And from that moment forward, I just kind of began on this journey of wanting to be happy and the reason I wanted to be happy was not for self, I'll be honest with you. It was so that my daughter knew how to be happy. And I thought to myself, because of the kind of environment I grew up in, part of the reason that I didn't know how to be happy was because I'd never seen it. I'd never been taught it. Um, a lot of people found moments of comfort in life, I would say, but not happiness. Not when I was a child, I didn't see that in adults. So I wanted my daughter to know that. And upon that journey, what I very quickly realised was, she can't become me and my version of happy and her version of happy might not look the same because I am nothing like most of the people I'm related to. Mm. So I can't fake this. I have to follow through. The number one thing that would help me to not feel so down and unhappy is if I could shake the feeling that I feel like the world has on families like mine mm. and women like me. Um, I also came out during that time as well so I'm bisexual I didn't know but on my journey to happiness and self-discovery I made some new friends <laughs> and so <laughs> it, was, it was a big process and my mantra kind of became shame don't live here no more I was ashamed for dropping out of uni I was ashamed for being a really young mum I was ashamed for being a single parent. I was ashamed because I was living in a one-bedroom flat with my baby. I was ashamed because I was broke. I was ashamed of being a person. How could I teach her to be proud of who she was? How could I teach her to find value in herself if she only had one parent who was consistently with her and the one consistent person in her life felt worthless? That means that the only consistent person that she was engaging with was teaching her worthlessness by example simply because of how I felt. So I was just like, no, 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 no. This depression and this is this is hard, but this depression can't run too long because I just, you know, <laughs> I, I have I know we're going really deep. I just wanna come in and say that is such a black thing to say. This depression can't run too long. Like only <laughs> only only us would say would literally like we put a timestamp on the depression, on grief, on it's like Honestly, what, I was like, no, no, no. So <laughs> I wanted to be able to hold myself to a certain standard and the life that I had planned for her mm. when I was in gestation, when I was pregnant, was not the one that we were currently living. Yeah. And I felt like the only opinion I care about is hers. 
And I don't want her to be anything like me. And if she's nothing like me, but she's entirely all of herself, then that means I did a damn good job. So she has to watch me be entirely myself. Mm. And I can't be ashamed of who I am in order to do that. And I'm so proud of her that it's almost like the love that I had for her in turn um, helped me to recognise, you know, all those memes about self-love. They are important and they are true, but they're not easy. Um, And I am very, what's the word? I'm very... um, understanding of different people from different walks of life but I wasn't understanding to myself in that time so that was kind of how I you know I arrived um I did so many different things to build my confidence and now it's like a lifestyle and a state of being my Mm -hmm. my my peace and happiness and, and stability is just where I'm at um and it's something that makes it a lot easier for me to also be confident and comfortable in where I'm at and unapologetic or bold as you say I don't think I am it's so funny I'm such a private person as you know that I would (laughs) I would never describe my external reception which is what you're talking about when people see me out in the world as bold I'd call me many things but not bold but I guess for people who don't live like me it's not normal I remember we've had conversations in the past where I've like had to remind myself it's not normal that your mum is like a queer, intersectional, young feminist activist who like writes and just, that's not normal that you get read bedtime stories about what is the definition of xenophobia. Like, it's not normal, not in our community. I know in the majority, the racial majority in this country, an effort is being made. So four-year-olds are having these conversations, but actually in our community, it's not common. Um, and I don't have many friends who have kids. You are obviously somebody who's got kids, but most of my friends my age don't have children as well. So I think that is also a reason why I wanted to, I didn't want to regret not enjoying my 20s because I spent most of that time resenting the fact that I wasn't enjoying my 20s the way I should be. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to enjoy them the way that I could. Um. So yeah. What do you think? So for those, again, if you've got the book, um, the dedication at the beginning, Remy's daughter, uh, Sana, is one of the young girls that I dedicated the book to. And I'm really interested, like, what do you hope, because we can only hope, what do you hope Sana's definition of family will go on to be? I, I hope that it's interesting. I hope that it remains what it is now, which is the opposite of what I was taught for it to mean which is exactly what I said, where you are loved, you know, who is in your home, who is in your heart, um, where it's healthy. I hope that it remains to be that she has a perception of family and it's quite interesting. She doesn't understand that your family can't be people who are not related to you. So she doesn't, she's not yet been taught the definition of family that includes blood. She's been taught the definition of family that includes relationships. And that includes what is best for her psychological state. And I'm very like, I feel like, no, I feel like that's so important. Honestly, I know you're shaking your head, but I do because... And and before you even go on, I just want to make it clear to people, the reason I'm shaking my head is because... Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. The reason I'm shaking my head is because, and I recently said this, I did an evening at the South Bank and one of the last questions Emma Gannon asked me or someone asked me is like, what do I wish I'd learned younger? And my 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 biggest wish, my answer was that um, I wish I wasn't indebted to the meaning of what family is in the black community context, because it's absolutely the quickest way specifically 
to out the light present in all little black girls. Mm. Like we see that light in them when they're a baby and when they're a toddler and then they turn five and you kind of still see it. But by eight, nine, 10, if they are a little too, and this is quote unquote sassy, a little too smart Mm. or more to the point, they question everything around them. It quickly becomes, who do you think you are? Oh, you think you're too nice. And then all of a sudden the idea of family becomes this almost this gatekeeping between you and your true destiny do you know and what's interesting? so many girls and women like us who in my opinion lose lose the best of themselves the best years of their life because they're indebted to this very twisted fucked up idea of family and i and that's that's what's so interesting to me because actually i was just gonna say you know this I'm very open with my daughter about the fact that she's nothing like me. And that is great. Like you do you, honey, live your life in your world the way that works best. And we adapt. And, you know, there are a lot of things about her. She's more like you than me. And Esme's more like me than you. Like, do you know what I mean? So, and that's okay. And sometimes, you know, we have to talk about the fact that she's a more emotional being than mummy. And, you know, mummy still can hold space for her emotions because actually you didn't need to cry over that, but I see you're sad, you know? And family is somebody who can recognise that you don't have to be the same to be welcome and accepted as well. I think that is something that's so important. I think the idea of of women being a monolith in the family structure is something that we're still really trying to break down. And yes. part of the reason why feminism and womanism and equality and and gender constructs and all of these kind of things are being questioned so heavily at this time is because the idea of femininity comes with duty and obligation. And and I feel like, you know, I don't really like the idea. I don't know how much we can dismantle the system in the time that we're alive, but if we have to work with it, your duty is to be you. Your obligation is only to yourself. So outside of that, everything else is a choice. And to tell somebody that family is a choice especially a young black girl, you give her the power to leave so much more than just that situation in that time. Mm-hmm. You give them the power to walk up. You know, we talk about mummy issues and daddy issues and we talk about traumatic childhoods. We don't often talk about, you know, bonds that are made from healthy relationships. We don't often talk about healthy childhoods. And sometimes I'm in awe of the kid that I'm raising because she's so well-adjusted and normal and she expects enjoyment and vibes. Like, that's... <laughs> that's I, I, I guys, some of you... Well, most of you follow me, but it depends on when you started following me or whatever. I cannot get over our two young daughters on a yacht. On a yacht. So it's just us four, six, including the captain, on a yacht. And we're just like vibes in and we're like, oh, come look at the, you know, the sea and the views. I wanted to be on the ocean. They wanted to be on iPads. They wanted to be on their iPads. I don't know what you call, what do you call the downstairs bit? I don't know what you call it. Inside. The lower lower deck. Right. They went to the lower deck, into the bedroom. And all they cared about was the fact that they had enough battery on them tablets. (laughs) This is like the AGNC, by the way, guys. Like crystal blue. And... They were not interested. I think, you know, I work really hard to teach her the importance of gratitude as well. But something that I don't think you should be grateful for in the sense that 
when they're not healthy if they're healthy that's different but when they're not healthy you shouldn't be grateful for family that treat you like shit like you shouldn't be grateful you should actually be running for the hills so her understanding of family is just so good and so happy and so peaceful and I'm speaking about her mainly because that is my family member that I see every day I have one immediate family member Yes. And I have many family members that do not live in my household. And I'm also not responsible for. And then the other type of family, I used to call them... Hold on, hold on, hold on, rewind. Okay. I have lots of family members that I am not responsible for. You're not just going to walk past like that, that, like that weren't a word. Because... That wasn't a word. Did I bond anybody but her? No. no. (laughs) This is the thing. Guess what? Okay, so this is where myself and Remy differ. And I will open my heart and show everyone my my firstborn, first daughter issues. And be like many of the young black women, even older black women, many black women who are the firstborn in their families have Mm. yet to learn that have and if they have yet to mm. learn it they have yet to be um to be supported in the fact that that is truth there are many 50 and 60 year old black women who are the firstborn of their families who feel like the people they didn't give birth to they are responsible for do you know what's interesting so obviously okay so i was on tiktok <laughs> and um <laughs> Recently, what's been coming up on TikTok often is videos about the firstborn daughter. And it's usually because Why of the UK. We always do the same videos. So a lot of videos have been coming up about the firstborn daughter. But I just want to say to you, it's not just black people, it's immigrant households. And so obviously black wow. people here in the UK are the highest level of immigrant, but a lot of a lot of these videos where somebody's like, I tell you about African parents, I tell you about Jamaican parents or whatever, then you see in the comments, there's all these other nationalities of people who are like, no, it's firstborn girls from immigrant families or immigrant communities. And I think it's something to do with the idea of going to another space to build something. And I I just gained this level of insight, this major key that I'm about to unlock. I went to Lagos recently and I am the last born for my mum. I have two older sisters and I am the first born for my father. My mum is second generation, which makes me a third generation Caribbean. My dad is first generation, which makes me a second generation Nigerian. Now, when I was there, the whole idea of community and family works so different. But what was really interesting is, and I'll just give it a caveat, I didn't talk to my dad for a very long time for many, many reasons. And when I went to Lagos, I was learning so much about the culture. We were communicating slightly more. Obviously, this is his country as well. But he called me about my younger brother misbehaving. And I kind of listened to everything he said. And then I was like, okay. And then he kept talking and I was with somebody and they said to me, he's telling you so that you can go and discipline. I had no understanding of this. Then I went to see a relative. I went to see an uncle of mine, my dad's older brother or younger brother, sorry. And my cousin who was younger than me was telling me about how she'd recently disciplined her youngest sibling and confiscated her phone. Now I said to her, why did you take her phone? I'm so confused. That's your little sister. She's telling me the story, long story short, basically she's the oldest sibling. So she is in charge of her youngest sibling's manners, Mm. discipline. Mm. And my aunt and uncle are very hardworking people. And this is the culture, so I'm not knocking it. But what I was just thinking is, but these are not your kids. 
Now mm. she was like to me, yeah, but these are my siblings. The same way that I was just like, yeah, but you didn't, these are not your kids. She was like, yeah, but they're my siblings. It was the same. We were both equally as not understanding of the other. And it was a huge and again, I difference. Will, I will intercept her when I will say, whilst Remy won't, I'm not the fucking culture. I'm not the shit out of this culture because it predominantly goes on to lead to poor mental health in women that look like us. So well, I'll be the first the other to thing. say. I think, I think it's, it's a combination of so many things because in places that we come from as immigrants, there usually isn't a welfare system, which means that if you are on your own, you are entirely on your own. And this government are not really doing much. So I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is mm-hmm. that mentality of whatever you have in your home, whatever you have on your table, that is everything and you could go and ask somebody else for help but you know that they're likely to be struggling too so what do you do you graft you go hard and any sacrifice that needs to be made in the name of survival usually is is warranted and then we come to the UK or you know other parts of the world and we raise our kids with the idea that they should follow the same system but we don't know the same kind of hardness and that's sometimes where the mental health issues come in as well because it's like okay but for what are we struggling? I don't understand. Or, you know, in, in something that I truly believe as well is whilst I do think that my daughter should be grateful for the life that she has, she didn't ask for it. I wanted this for her and I gave it to her. She could have lived differently. We could, my um, ideas of success or failure could have been adjusted. They didn't need to be what they are, but this is what I wanted them to be. And there's only one of her because I can't give this to two of her. That's the other thing. So I think there is, I believe in choice a lot, but I think also there's a lot of circumstantial factors, you know, Mm. like I was very, very poor two years ago and it was very hard becoming a single parent financially was the wildest experience of my life. Um, And I dropped out of uni when I had my kid. And so, you know, it was, it was rough. So I understand that socioeconomics um, play a big part and I will say that luck is opportunity and circumstance coupled together and that's yeah, basically yeah. a large part of how we've been able to live and how our life has changed but when an opportunity comes if you have the means and you know how to work with what you've got you need to make sure that your circumstances permit you to take that and when it comes to family that opportunity usually the circumstances are that your mind needs to be ready, if necessary, to walk away. And your heart needs to be prepared for the heartbreak. It's okay to find things hard. It's okay to decide that you don't want to raise any more kids because you're nobody's mum. You know, Ooh. that's okay. I'm only one someone's mum. I have younger siblings. And I, you know, I understood what my dad was saying when he called me. But I also had a conversation with him and I said, you know, you chose to leave that place because for you at the time, here was better. And you chose for your kids to be born here because you felt like here was better. There is something about who you are that whilst you respect it, you still know that there was a place for you that you could be you in a better way. So you can't have expectations of me to run my life in a way that you did not run your life, you left, you know? And and that afforded us so much opportunity. So in terms of family, you have to be willing to recognise those things and say those things. And yes, we are grateful for so much. But also, a lot of the privileges that we have were owed to our forefathers anyway. We are immigrants. We are the descendants of immigrants living in the countries that came and colonised. Like, you know, if you think of this on a deeper level, 
it's reparations. And <laughs> that doesn't mean that you should have to raise five kids now and struggle. Because where is where is the elevation? Where is the growth? Where is the, you know how they talk about like social climbing? Yes. That should happen generationally. That's how I feel anyway. I feel like mm. as you leave a legacy, you you leave something that aids somebody to almost climb on your shoulders. Well, but if you're raising bare kids, then how does that work? Well, aside from that, this is interesting. And like I said at the top, I didn't, I didn't um, do questions because that's just not how Remy and I chat. So this is interesting. Let's talk about legacy and leaving things behind, but also the expectation that, or what I see happen a lot in the black community when it comes to family, that, uh, and this is two parts, that if one person pops off, if one person blows, if one person makes it, if one person succeeds, it's their duty to uphold that entire family. No, I don't agree with that. Oh, girl. And then also on the flip side, there are those family members who, whilst in in a broader sense in terms of family, say like a grandparent, whilst they may have the means to be that seed and be that resource and leave a legacy, they absolutely won't because they are of the school of thought that, well, I had to come here and graft and do this and do that. You need to find your own way. What do we say about those two? They're very, very polarized. Contradictory, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but they coexist in in our spaces, especially when it comes to family. I'm so glad that you touched on that because I actually think coexistence is a really important thing that we um, don't often lean into. Like, it doesn't have to be either or. Things can coexist. They have to, you can, yeah. You know, you can support where you can and you can hold back where you need to Mm -hmm. I feel like it's all about as well everything is justifiable relative to um explanation because if you feel like you shouldn't have to support I'm not trying to support anybody but my kid that doesn't mean I'm not willing to but yeah that's my first port of call and as long as she's good then I can extend elsewhere I can think about those things I'm just talking hypothetically here in terms of if I had the means and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. also I don't agree with the whole thing of you should struggle. I don't agree with that because why did you do, why did you have me? Why why am I here? Also, this is why I don't it's hard. I don't believe in one generational families, but I believe in I do believe in one generational responsibilities. You are responsible for the people you choose to be responsible for. For mm. example, when you get into a relationship until you are locked in underneath the government's eyes and married, at any point you can choose to walk away. Yes. Like you are a parent and you've chosen to become a parent. And that's not something that you can just walk away from. But at the same time, you can choose whether or not to parent adult children. We're allowed to choose whether or not we're parents once they're over the age of 18. Even our kids, it doesn't make sense for us to carry them forever. So yeah. it is it is something that we can choose to do. And unfortunately, some people will choose to support and some people won't. Um, that's why I feel like you have to have that confidence in self as well, because sometimes you also might not have external support. You might be all you've got. At the same time, I will say this, with you and I, it took us a minute to build the level of trust and openness that we have now, right? Mm -hmm. But that, for us to get to this point, it was built on a lot of, um, I guess, familial type, conversations we had conversations that were familiar to us because of our environment because of Mm. our class because of also because of our ambitions because of the things that we wanted to do on the other side of 
where we were from. Um, and that kind of ethos, usually you find that in families. So a lot of the things that we're talking about, if you feel like you're in a family where you don't fit and you don't feel secure and safe and nurtured and understood, if any one of those things that I've listed is missing, it's okay for you to seek that elsewhere and outsource. I also mentioned that I didn't talk to my dad for a long time. We have somewhat of a relationship now, but my support systems do not come from that relationship. And that is the healthiest thing in order for it to be maintained. I also think you have to recognise the things that you're giving into and drawing from. If you draw from a relationship that you don't even feel like you want to be in, but that's family, how will you ever feel like you're being fed in that area where you require love? Because family essentially is about love. The reason that we're taught to stick with our families, support our families and um, be loyal to our families, expect from our families is because we're threaded together with this invisible thing that none of us can see, but we're supposed to believe is there. And when we recognise that it's missing, but yet we still have those familial expectations, we struggle. So why not just go and find those elsewhere? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I think, and I'm again, I'm going to say I think because I like my money where I can see it. I think that a lot of people don't do that, of course, out of fear and not just fear of not being able to create those family ties elsewhere, but fear of uh, the, 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 the licky mouth of, of the family you've had to leave behind. But, but they don't like you. If you've left them what? behind... You're making me put my cat backwards. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, it's okay. If, have you have you ever thought about when you see two kids squabbling? I, I like to use playground analogies because it always makes it easier. When you see two kids squabbling, but they're always squabbling. And you're just like, why are you sitting next to each other then? Sit yes. on opposite sides of the room. And yes. somehow they always find that like they're addicted to fighting each other. And then when they have to say goodbye at the end of the year, they bust down in tears like they wasn't beefing for the good 12 months. And you're just like, this don't make noise. But you lot are young. And it makes sense when I talk about kids. And you can laugh because it's immature and you understand they're kids. But for some people, that never stops. It just never stops. They'll be fighting at the funeral. We've all seen it. The commotion, don't. Listen, no, I had to be the commotion one time. So listen, (laughs) I I know how that goes. I know how that goes. Remy's giving me girl eyes, by the way. (laughs) Girl eyes is like, girl, you be careful now. Don't you be saying too much. (laughs) I had to be that at one point. I'm also, we are close to wrapping up this conversation, but there are a few things I want to touch on before. Um we go I'm really intrigued to hear your advice if there is any towards black queer people and how I thought you were going to pause I was about to say wait that's the question go on (laughs) black queer people and how um they can live with their family in the moment if they are not accepting or welcoming of who they choose to share a life with, love or lay down with. Like, I'm really, I'm always intrigued by... Oh my gosh, this is hard. Can I give a few bits of advice or have we got to go like that? Okay, so the first thing I would say is just because they are ashamed of you or they don't like what you do doesn't mean you have to be ashamed of you. Doesn't mean you don't have to now internalise that and dislike you too. It can be entirely external. If you're living in the home, especially, that's hard. I would say definitely um, check out charities and stuff if your safety is at risk as well. 
Um, I am very, very protective over my black queer identity and the um, the way that it's received out in the world because I always struggle when white queers don't understand how I can love my culture, even though my culture has a lot of um, ideas that stem and are rooted in homophobia. The yeah. reason why is because it's black over everything. So it's okay for you to be proud of who you are. It is okay for you to practice your same religious traditions, speak your mother tongue, eat your food. It's okay for you to be proud of where you come from and still understand that not being able to love openly in the way that straight people can is unfair and it's hurtful and it's painful. I think that when we talk about family, the one thing that we didn't talk about was the family of one, the family of you. If you were your friend or your sibling, if you were the most important person to you, the way that we, a lot of us tend to love I would say grandparents or great aunts. Imagine if you loved you with that purity, how could you ever walk away from yourself? It's really hard to do. But I think in an environment where you are constantly being faced with the fact that you're not good enough or you're doing too much in the wrong place, you you have to actively pour into trying to impress yourself and and love yourself as much as you are trying to get that acceptance elsewhere. Because for some people, trying to get acceptance from their parents will never stop. That's who they are. That's how they were raised. And they're grateful. And, you know, at the same time, I would just say, then do the same thing for self. I would say the other thing is um, things can change as well. I have a relative who I don't talk to who's a big homophobe. And, you know, I cussed them and that was that. And I have a relative who is more subtle about it. And I'm very open I'm very open. It's not a secret. But also, I don't walk around with my sexuality on a T-shirt. I am a person before anything else. And when I was having only straight relationships, I wasn't announcing every person that I was dating. I wasn't announcing every relationship that I was having. So just because I'm bi now doesn't mean I'm going to start to do those things. So, you know, also mention it where safe. If it doesn't need to be spoken about, it doesn't need to be spoken about. If you need it to be spoken about, then that's a completely different thing. Um, but you don't have to discuss and define yourself based on somebody else's terms. You know, that that's really important. And I don't even think that's just sexuality. I think that's in general. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, I would say, you know, if you can seek queer black spaces, I would say definitely do. Um, other queer black people are around online. If you can't meet up in person. I just think it's really important to find your family. And a lot of queer people talk about a chosen family. And the reason why is because obviously a lot of us go through various forms of alienation or, you know, not being accepted by other people. So find your chosen family and choose your chosen family as well. Because it's it's a really special thing that obviously you're not queer, but like we are chosen family, <laughs> you know, like, in in a very different sense, we are chosen family. We are the chosen family for our children. And, mm. you know, it's interesting. We are, we are each other's emergency contact on every Yeah, day. at the kids' schools and stuff. So, <laughs> And it's interesting because when our kids look at their lineage, yes, mm. they will be able to see beyond us. And when they look at, you know, previous generations. But also, I feel like, they, it would be very difficult for them, for either of our kids, to look at who we were and our lives and not see the other one in it. Yes. And so 
in that sense, it's like we have now written each other into each other's lives. And every generation that comes from us, if they want to know about who we are, they have to know about their, like, each other as well. Yeah. And I feel like even that speaks to family because that's not something that you often see when people are not blood relations. But yeah. if you choose your family well, mm-hmm. and if you build that legacy with them, and if they support you and you support them, eventually you kind of find your way and you realise it's not that hard to choose your family. It's not as hard as you thought it was. It's not hard to be loved. It's not hard to be supported. And it's not hard to love people and support them. Not from a place of like, you know, I guess I'm going to, but I really want to. Yeah. All of the time. Like, I, I don't actually care if people think that I'm like, always moving mad in your comment section. I will forever. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't really care if people are like, why is she tagging this girl in random miscellaneous stories? Like, do you know what I mean? Because your business, your your online platform is a professional business. We don't act professional there. And it's fine it, it because yeah. our relationship is outside of that. Or, you know, if you phone me and you don't say hello and you say something else first, usually yeah, yeah. it's like Egyal or something to that effect. <laughs> Another person, I'd be like, who is this? Hello. Whereas <laughs> you like, oh, what are you doing? Or like, we'll spend five minutes cackling at the beginning of a conversation. We'll be like, hello, hello. And then we start laughing. Why are you laughing? So, yeah, I think, you know, I think there is so much sweetness to be found in family. Also, I do want to say, if you have a loving biological family as well, keep them close. That's the mm-hmm. other thing. Keep them close. Um, like, you there's so many ways to do it but just you know my godparents are my aunts and uncles and my god sister is my daughter's godmother not because she's my god sister but because we are family and we have such a relationship and so chosen family has always been a part of my life and and hopefully it lasts for as long as I have a bloodline I hope that people are always making healthy choices I will be the ancestor in their ear telling them to make healthy choices and and to recognize that's another thing to recognize when it's a, when somebody chooses you or when it's a healthy situation it's really hard but you need to be able to recognize the unhealthy relationships you had so you know when there's a healthy one around so you know when it's valuable when you know so you know when it's worth it because fights happen arguments happen sometimes differences happen mm-hmm. but being able to maintain that relationship is a really tender craft that we struggle with, but it still can be done. Yeah. I will end this podcast the way I've hopefully ended it with all my other guests. If not, I'm lying, but I think I did. <laughs> what is the most important lesson you have learned about family? That you can choose it and it can be nice. I like that. Yeah, that's it. It's really simple. Sorry. And you know why I like that? Because <laughs> we are uh, we are fighting for position of CEO of hashtag soft life. And especially being, you know, this always comes up, guys, because it's pertinent, especially being darker skinned black women who are often told that love and joy and softness and acceptance and a life of ease is not available to them in every column, finances, career, relationships and family. To be able to sit here and have a conversation with someone who, in my eyes and perhaps even in the eyes of the world, is my sister and be like, this is actually a very easy, loving, um, 
relationship that's filled with reciprocity, that is yeah. filled with you go get them, girl, and I will cuss them if they come and da 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 da. And to know that to know that that truth is as is a it, it, it's just as available as air. That truth is there yeah. and solid is a really rare thing, uh, but it's like it's not impossible. And also, like Remy already said, reparations. Like you're you're owed this at this point. And for those of you who are transitioning or who are leaving family pastures that not only are they dry, they're crusty to bumba, and you are crossing (laughs) (laughs) and searching for uh, a family unit that, you know, when you're on your deathbed, you're going to look back on and be like, I'm so happy I spent my time with them. It's absolutely achievable. And I just don't think we hear that enough. Yeah, your family should want you to win. Like, and you should want them to win. That's important. No, we could have this conversation for hours. No, do you know what? We're going to leave it there because, like I said, we need the let's go, let's go. school funds. We don't need <laughs> people trying to throw our subpoenas in that. I always get a little bit nervous when we talk for more than, like, 45 minutes. Yeah, then we yeah. this And then it's like... No, we're at forty-seven minutes now, and I feel like the points are no, starting to get loose. No, no, because there's a there's always a part of our conversations that is like, no, this is not this is not an outside conversation. <laughs> we're headed there, so let's, let's say bye, bye, friends. Thank you so much for being my guest, and remember, guys, you can follow Remy on Instagram. You can catch up with her writing. She is a supreme writer, a great activist, and just an all-round dope person. So do that. Thank you. Bye. Now, if you've enjoyed this, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode. You can follow me on Instagram where I am at Candice Brathwaite. And if you've enjoyed this, please don't forget to rate and review as every little helps. And my new book, Sister Sister, is available to buy now in hardback, ebook, and audio. Talk to you next week. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.